passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Nice buns. Soft, fluffy, and ultra-low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious, ultra-low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O C-O. When Ryan when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the A team that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, then load a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Way take the mic. Hello everybody, it is John Pollock. Sorry, I had to t- I had to X the link out uh, for everybody to listen to hello way hey welcome John, to hi. uh one of our rewind shows uh rewind of raw is is the show tonight it's it is a monday evening welcome everybody welcome john oh i i want to say how much i enjoyed not recording anything this weekend i feel so recharged last week destroyed me okay last week i was mm-hmm. exhausted uh, from yeah. wrestling as a whole this week i actively tried to watch as little wrestling as possible Braden harrington actually invited us out to a demand lucha show in town and john's response was i'm wrestling doubt i won't be joining you <laughs> that was it i'm like i'm not i am not spending my one afternoon this week watching more wrestling so i i i am not demanding lucha and i was not demanding wrestling on sunday but i'm sure it was a great show well, um, I hope you're um, set for this week because um, it feels like a, every single weekend there's going to be a whole lot, especially with G1 coverage keeping up and everything else. SummerSlam coming up next week. You know what's wild is that this week is going to be crazy and that I'm looking at the following weekend when we go to Detroit, like it's going to be a break because we won't have to go cover everything it's like in detroit we're gonna go to a show on friday and we're gonna go to a show on saturday well yeah i mean the travel is is you know going to add a a little bit and i i do think we will be talking about uh the gcw show we'll be attending maybe a little bit of smackdown as well but it's going to be a different type of busy i think probably but nonetheless we are we are in the midst of a g1 season and the place to be is postwrestlingcafe.com that is just receiving rave reviews because man the uh the menu items they've just been you know we're we're like trying all the the experimental donuts that uh some Tim Hortons get up here have you ever been to any of the locations that they they try out new 
Yeah, the upscale Tim Hortons yes. that they have around the city. Yeah, I have. They're really cool. not that upscale, but they're as classy as you could possibly imagine from <laughs> Tim Hortons. Like, yeah, this has. They um, might add matcha to something, you know, like a matcha honey curler or like a matcha double double. <laughs> like, it's nothing that fancy. Like, I, I the the one that like is close to your place. I try to get the cold brew all the time it's always broken so it's about what you'd expect so they they have they have a ways to go but this week you won't have a ways to go far for great coverage because we have four g1 shows going up on the cafe this week tuesday wednesday thursday and sunday i will be paired with way on tuesday and thursday we've got bruce and eric marcotte as the uh the blind eliminator tandem this week on Wednesday. And then Sunday, it is the reunion of WH Park and Karen Peterson. So you have that to look forward to. We're going to be dropping a double shot Wednesday night, chatting about Bam Bam Bigelow. We are going to have all of our usuals up on the cafe, as well as our regular shows. Great American Bash is going down this Sunday. So Braden and Davey will have you covered there. It is a, a plethora, a plethora of shows this week on the Post Wrestling Cafe, which is, uh, I mean, this is this is the time, Way. This is the time. This is the time. If if something has been keeping you on the fence for the past five years, I mean, I think the week of July 24th, 2023, this is your time. So go postwrestlingcafe.com, video.postwrestling.com, and you can find the whole schedule up there on the site. And let us talk about what went down over the weekend. This was a much quieter weekend than the previous one, but still a lot going on. Collision on Saturday night. This is week number five, and the number will be out on Tuesday. This is going to be one of the more interesting ones because, as we had mentioned, going into this show, the main thing that was promoted was a trios championship match that I would say coming out of the show was a, I mean, outside of the the Billy Gunn deal at the end, I don't think anything memorable coming out of that very quick match. And so CM Punk does wrestle, but it's an impromptu one that is set up in the opening segment. Very un-AEW-like when it comes to setting up a match that would be delivered later that evening. But you ended up getting a 28-minute main event with CM Punk and Darby Allen against the team of Ricky Starks and Christian Cage, which was uh, quite the pairings uh, for, for Collision on Saturday. But more interesting was... The reaction to CM Punk throughout the night from this crowd in Newark, New Jersey, it was a fine crowd that they had. They did not fill the Prudential Center, but they they were there. They might not have filled the venue, but they were there for Phil. Some were and some weren't. It was a mixture of reactions, not all positive, not all negative. They were very loud, and that was a positive. Yeah, yeah. Um, It, it really continues the trend of, um, I think, I would suggest somewhat unpredictable reactions to CM Punk. Some weeks you kind of get a neutral, you know, pro-punk crowd. And other weeks you get a pretty, pretty vocal anti-CM Punk and co uh, uh, type of reaction. And, and yeah, we saw it. FTR some, got the shrapnel from their association on this show. You know, I, I think having FTR paired up against, you know, MJF and Adam Cole probably didn't do them any favors either. Um, so really, at this point, we continue to study Collision and to see how AEW is handling those potential CM Punk negative reactions. Um, on the one hand, of course, I think, you know, this is nothing new. Like in professional wrestling, it's happened many times in the past. And you either run with it or you kind of grind up against 
uh, the, the audience and, 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 you know, continue to maybe, um, I don't know, try to turn them, which I don't think is going to be happening. Um, but in the end, you ask the question, is this negative for your product or is it beneficial? It's not as long as you are are drawing and there's interest for it. I would say collision. I, I wouldn't call it this this runaway hit, nor is it a failure. It's, you know, I think the point two is sort of the barometer, I would say, for collision. I think if you're falling under that, it's going to be disappointing. And anything above a point two oh, you're probably pretty happy with with realistic expectations. Like week one, you could hit that point three, but I think the sweet spot is going to be point two. And as much as uh this weekend's card is, is Somewhat loaded up, you could say, with the tag title match. They've thrown a ladder match. I'm more interested to see what kind of battle plan do they have to set up the next week when they are up against SummerSlam. This will be their first head-to-head battle with a WWE pay-per-view and a major one. This is going to be a big SummerSlam. Mm -hmm. And what kind of card does Collision combat that with? And I would think that you would want a pretty strong lineup knowing by the time you turn off this Saturday show. I think it's a really tough task to ask maybe even like the most diehard of AEW fans to not be curious to watch a SummerSlam um, live. You know, I, I would think that week at best they can hope for some maybe strong DVR numbers. And, I you know, it's no reason to throw in the towel. I mean, I think it's important to get people to just continue to even make collision a priority even on tape delay. So I hope they announce something strong. So in terms of the handling of punk right now, like, are you sensing, like, I don't think this is one where it's so much like punk is just going with the flow of it. Like it does feel as though they are trying to direct fans to cheer this guy, which Mm -hmm. with the exception of the line about the New Jersey devils, this was all baby face material from punk. And it felt, which felt, felt like an ad lib, you know, the, uh, it certainly did because it went against mm-hmm. everything else during that segment that was designed to babyface punk and right up until like putting Christian here in the middle of things on top and of pairing it. him with Darby, of course, and getting Darby to give him give New Jersey his approval, yeah. which felt very forced. Like yes. Darby felt very insincere in that moment. And I think he knew that like yeah. this is not something my character should be doing, uh, but is to try and take a bullet here. So the FTR one was more interesting because I think that this promo as well was designed to be a babyface run right down to Dax telling like this childhood story. And it just didn't seem to quite resonate with the audience. But I think the miscalculation was their belief. And this exists. I, it absolutely exists among some of the fans that have been negative towards the more comedic based skits on dynamite, specifically Adam Cole and MJF. I don't think what they realized is that there is a larger number that are loving this stuff. They are also, the numbers are bearing out. They're popular segments. And it seemed like this audience was not going to be booing FTR, kind of denigrating this, like, um, you know, the the dance-off on Wednesday or these things that I think enough of the crowd, whether they were just against FTR, but I think a portion of it too was um, they like these segments and it's not this kind of sports entertainment paint that you or paintbrush that you are trying to get across like this is the antithesis of us and these are our hard uh, true wrestling fans here that are going to back us up in this promo 
Well, I mean, I, I don't know if they should have really been surprised by this reaction because, I mean, these MJF Cole segments are very much babyface segments. I mean, he plays a very insincere babyface, but bottom line is the team is incredibly over. And I think FTR and Dax specifically should have maybe prepared for this type of reaction a little bit better than it felt like he he was reacting to. Um, I think they felt they were going to have this crowd in the palm of their hands and they were just going to, whether they're Cole and MJF fans or not, in this moment where, where they are here live in the ring, it would be a pro FTR crowd and they had to fight this audience. And I think it does set the table that this audience will lean I mean, FTR will be the heels in this match in Hartford. I, I definitely think so. Like how unless... can you not expecting like the double clothesline chant and all the stuff that Cole and MJF do? I just don't think it's it's it, going to it, be one where like if the audience is choosing like that is going to be their focus. They, it could be a double baby face type of reaction. You know, I don't necessarily see them booing FTR actively, but I also don't see them booing MJF and Cole either. So it'll be interesting to see what happens for that reason. As far as like, you know, CM Punk goes, clearly they're building towards CM Punk versus MJF, you know, with with the little teases that Punk continues to throw in there with the bag and everything. Um, And and perhaps it's for that reason that they want to be so stubborn about keeping CM Punk a baby face, especially if the you know buildup is towards a Chicago or even an all in. Um, it you know it makes you wonder at this point why they continue to be so stubborn about keeping Punk and Babyface. I don't care what your plans are. To me, at this point, between the Cole stuff, like to me, MJF should be coming out of this as as the Babyface. I really believe it. It's time for that. I think that there is going to be enough that if this ultimately is just MJF turning on Cole, like it'll be fine in the moment. But it does feel as though we're just playing the the greatest hits with MJF. Like we have been done. We have been down this road many times before, whereas the baby face turn, the audience have been ready for this for almost a year. And I feel in this instance, you could come out of this with MJF as the big baby face that they have been striving to have that, that truly top end baby face that you can build this company around and you have the perfect heel in punk, but it just seems at the moment they're in, they're in opposite roles. Almost seems like, you know, pretty perfect uh, of a situation for a double turn. But I I mean, it depends on when those two might eventually be meeting because you have to get through this coal program first with MJF. So there you go. That is a collision. And you can get a whole rundown of the show from Kate and John Cena from Saturday mm-hmm. night, uh, taking your calls and going through a collision. We also did a show covering Ring of Honor's Death Before Dishonor, a really great pay-per-view if you went out of your way uh, to purchase the show on Friday. All of our thoughts there. And the NWA podcast, which I think mm-hmm. is going to exceed the length of SummerSlam this year. <laughs> I think it, it um, it's certainly um, <laughs> it going to be competing for it, but... Um people will listen to every single second of that podcast, myself included, eventually, uh, because those three are so entertaining together. And this week they had Ray Williams from the Kings of Sport on joining them too. So a lot of great discussion. I'm about a third of the way through. So I will make my way through the rest throughout the week. Yes, uh, you can all sit back and hear uh, Chris throw a cold towel over anybody's uh, thoughts about Dominic. And he's... Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he lays it down, his his unvarnished thoughts on Dominic Mysterio. All right, G1, we are now uh, six shows in. Wait, have you just like thrown your hands up in the air at this point when it comes to G1? 
Um, I, I have not. No, no. I mean, especially since I'll be talking about tomorrow's show. So I, I have at least been keeping up with the recommended matches from our various hosts over at postwrestling.com slash G1. Uh, again, if you just click on the show links, you always get in the show descriptions the recommended matches. And for me, it's been a great way of at least keeping up with what people might be considering the best of the G1. The the idea of watching every single match, I've, I've kind of let go, especially after last weekend. Um, I don't know how people like you do it, John, but god it's like it's 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 so much well i thought i thought friday's card was a really good show in particular the three matches in a row that we got i thought will osprey and kenta was like of course osprey to me has been the performer of the g1 as we are six shows in this was not just osprey having a one-man show i thought this was the best effort i have seen from kenta in a long time like kenta certainly held up his part uh, his part in this match and i was very pleasantly surprised at how much uh, kenta hung with osprey then uh, shota umino and kaito kiyomiya had another 20 minute draw um, that was really strong but the match of the show was kazuchika okada and taichi which might be the match of the tournament so far i think this and the um it was the hanare and takagi match yes that's what i'm thinking about yes. or ishii was it Ishii? Takagi and oh, Ishii Shane, had a Shane match was on the first Sunday. One. I didn't put that one at the at the top level. Um, it was the best match on Sunday, uh, but that was a pretty poor card on Sunday. I thought Sunday was the weakest show of the tournament so far. This was the one that had. Um, he you know, faced Ishii, uh, Kingston, didn't he, on Sunday? Uh, it was Takagi and Ishii and Hanare and Eddie Kingston. Okay, well, yes. I'm confusing the three, but all right, yes. Kingston and Hanari, was a, it, they had a very nice match on Sunday. Uh, the match of the show was Ishii and Takagi, although I have seen better matches between them, but this was certainly the best match of the show. Uh, I was very disappointed with the David Finley evil match. I just felt this was one of those where you know, everyone draws each other in the, in the pool, and this was one where it's the two heel factions, and they're out-heeling one another, and I didn't think it was all that spectacular of a match. This was also just a totally dead crowd in Nagano on for most of mm-hmm. the show on Sunday. We got a really weak Naito-Toriano match. Goto and Shane Haste was nothing to write home about. Um, Zack Sabre Jr. just had... He just entertained himself against Alex Coughlin. So, um, yes, these are the match recommendations from... Uh, Bruce and Karen and I would agree with that these would be the two matches if you're going to seek out any from Sunday but I thought overall the weakest lineup so far of the G1 was what they are choosing to headline these nights with is is kind of perplexing to me you know like in in putting a lot of like the the newer stars that they're pushing but it's like I look at this show um evil and David Finley wouldn't like I get that they are trying to put David Finley in the idea that you see him as a headliner but I mean, this would not have been the match I closed this show off with. Well, for me personally, I mean, I just want a, an attractive match to put in these graphics so that people might have a chance of wanting to click on it. And I really struggled with trying to... You, with... you should determine the real main event by what graphic you opt to use. Uh, uh, to be quite honest, I made a graphic for Ishii versus Shingo that I ended you up should not have using. Used it. Honestly, you should I, have used it. I mean, what's the more attractive matchup to somebody, you know, and, and that I think that's a bigger question for New Japan. Like, why wouldn't they be booking or at least headlining with the match that's most attractive to the audience i think when you look at this i mean who are headlining that like the last so we have finley and evil on sunday we'll go backwards sonata and yoda suji ishii and tamatonga okada and phantasmo naito and jeff cobb and sonata and hikuleo so mm-hmm. you're seeing a common thread there it's like it's sonata it's the talent that we are rising up and i think trying to put them in the, in that spotlight but it is 
yeah. not always see it. Like most times, I don't think it's a it's a big deal. But Evil and Finley on, on even a weak show, they were not ending it on a strong. Uh, yeah, I respect the champion should should be closing, but this is more incentive for everybody to go to postwrestling.com slash G one and keep up with the, the match recommendations from our host because that's how you really find out what the real main event is. So we have five people that are still undefeated after six days. Sonata is on top of the A block with six points. Okada with six on top of the B block. Finley on top of the C block with six. And then the D block has Jeff Cobb and Zack Sabre Jr. who are tied. And they are going to be squaring off on Wednesday's show in the main event. Uh, Zach and Jeff Cobb. I do not have any issue with with that main event. So those two, uh, someone's O will go on Wednesday. But Tuesday, which is the show Wayne and I will be reviewing in a mere hours at Cora Kewen Hall, we have Will Ospreay against the Great Ocon, Shota Umino against Gabe Kidd, Kenta versus Taichi, Chase Owens versus Yotasuji, Tangaloa versus El Fantasmo. And did you happen to see the speech that El Fantasmo gave that mm-hmm. prior to the show he headlined against Okada last week, right before the show, or right before the match, yep. he got the news that his grandfather had passed away. He had been sick for a while, and he gets this news. And this backstage, I don't want to call it a, a promo, but it was just like Fantasmo leaning into the isolation in Japan and being away from his family and getting this news and turned it into the only love that I receive is from you fans when you cheer my name and how much it it pushes me through these difficult times and I'm just going stir crazy in my hotel and it was quite the speech from El Fantasmo that I think mm-hmm. was the first time we've seen him in kind of this babyface light in New Japan that I mean he's been playing this babyface character for a long time but this speech was the first time that I think he really you know created that connection with the audience beyond the in-ring portion and when we say the audience we don't necessarily mean the people in the room because i wonder how many people like understand these english promos when they're when he's speaking backstage there but it's probably the not they were watching. probably all just nodding and having no idea that he was pouring his heart out right it's the people that that are watching afterwards and i hope a lot of people end up checking this one out because like you said john it was um the most passionate i've certainly heard him speak and you can understand why given those circumstances incredibly trying you know to 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 do your job you know after what sounds like one of the most p- important people in his life had, had passed away and almost and he- the exact same thing happened with matt cardona who's over in japan at ddt and said that he, uh one of his grandparents just uh died and he's missing the funeral because mm-hmm. he's off in in japan so just yeah. uh, like both people in japan and missing um you know i'm sure a funeral that phantasma was going to miss as well so he's taking on tangaloa on tuesday hikuleo against ren narita kazuchiko kata against yoshihashi and the main event is sonata against kaito kiyomiya so sonata has six points kiyomiya has five because he has two wins and a draw so um that's a very appealing main event with sonata and kiyomiya sonata hasn't like blown the doors off of this tournament yet he needs a big performance and kiyomiya has had some excellent performance. Oh, Sonata's been definitely overshadowed by, you know, any of the three Musketeers as well as, you know, uh, Kaito Kiyomiya. But this match is going to be interesting just given the uh, Budo influence uh, for both men. I'm sure um, plenty of reference will be um, given. Um, but A Block has been a lot of fun for, for me, personally speaking. And also the block, of course, with Shingo and Ishii and Eddie Kingston as well. Mm-hmm. And probably the big match this week is Thursday with Okada and Will Ospreay in the main event at Oda Ward Gymnasium. So that is one of the big matches that is coming up in uh, just a couple of days, three days in Tokyo in a row. Wow. While we're on the subject of um, tournaments in Japan, I wanted to give a shout out to Karen Peterson stardom 
five-star Grand Prix primer. Is this not the worst time to have a, if you're a Japanese wrestling company, to have a round-robin tournament? The answer is there is never a bad time during the year for a Japanese company to do a round-robin tournament. And this one is just going to go. I think this tournament is scheduled for about two years. Oh, goodness. Well, if you want to get caught up or at least, you know, get prepared for it as best as you can, we always are incredibly privileged to have Karen Peterson's writing on our site. Um, Some of the best stardom coverage you'll see in the English language on the Internet. So check that out right now under the exclusive section at postwrestling.com. Yeah, and that first show sound I've not seen the first show, but it sounded like it got tremendous reviews. And the this the uh the five star Grand Prix is always like I always point to that and the Cinderella tournament as if you want to seek out stardom, these are some great uh, jumping on points during the year. Really unfortunate. It's just, it's just a long tournament to keep up to date with because this one is gonna go into I think it goes into late September, if not October. And, and a really unfortunate uh injury in this first night to Sai Kamatani off of a dive off of this sort of like we've seen like will osprey dive off of like you know the the truss and and everything Mm -hmm. and looks like seems like she's dislocated her shoulder so how is the rest of the booking going to be adjusted as a result yeah like these are all booked like down to every match so an injury is it's a house of cards to Mm -hmm. rebook these things so yes that will be um focused on as we move forward in the five-star grand prix Roosh has resigned with AEW. Uh, he posted up a video with uh, Tony Khan. They they did uh they hugged, signed, then another hug. So Roosh is uh, staying with AEW. Uh, does that does this uh, at all surprise you? I guess like I I wasn't aware that his contract was up because I I suppose the timing does work out. What he he's been around for a year is that it? Like what what what, what did this, did this give you any indication of what his prior contract with AEW was? Um, I mean, the the length, I mean, it had to have been I, I don't know when exactly it was up, but because I feel like Roosters just debuted. But I mean, I guess it, it, time flies, you know, uh, when you're in, in AEW, maybe maybe <laughs> so. Tony Khan had been like wanting to sit down with him and he kept thinking it's like we're in no Roosh. <laughs> Very good. Very good. <laughs> So Roosh is uh, sticking around uh, SmackDown on FS1 Friday night. So this did, in fact, end up being the most watched SmackDown on FS1 uh, from their various airings on FS1 since 2019. A 1,230,000 viewers, 0.36 in the demo with that coming courtesy of Brandon Thurston at WrestleNomics. The previous high was a 1,032,000 viewers, so a, a healthy bump up. And that was back in October of 2021. And surprise, surprise, the rules of engagement, the new contract signing was the big, the big mover on Friday night because that final quarter generated an 18% increase in viewership and a 23% jump in the 18 to 49 demo for these two men to come forehead to forehead and set up uh, the tribal combat match for SummerSlam. And if... WWE is not selling these lays come SummerSlam weekend. They're out of their mind. Oh, would you buy one? Would you no, wear one? I wouldn't, but a lot of people would. You put a $30 price tag on those things. Oh, 30. Are you kidding me? They'd be at least. They, they, I might be going bucks. conservative knowing this company. Yeah, but that's that's the real championship in the company that is being contested for. If you want to cosplay as Roman Reigns this year, you need to buy three championship belts and the light. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a SmackDown that I am sure 
is going to be highlighted next week. They're doing the the earnings report next week, and I'm sure this is going to be one as they are shopping SmackDown. And look, we move one week, and we got the word out on all of our broadcasts, and our mm-hmm. our audience moved, and they retained over half the audience from the week prior. So that's a big feather in their cap, and it was a big SmackDown. It's not like they just, you know, threw in the towel because they're on cable for the week. It was a big show, and they got a big result as a result as a result of it. And that's uh, too many results being thrown in there. Rampage also up from the week prior, 415,000 viewers, which was up 34% in viewers and a 0.11 in the demo that was up 14%. So it was a three week high for the show. 18 to 34 was up 46% this week, mainly for the Royal Rampage, which is what took up like almost three quarters of the show. This was a really long Royal Rumble style match that was won by Darby Allen and then featured uh, Chris Statlander and Marina Shafir for about five minutes at, at the end of the show. So for Rampage, um, it's uh, it's still there on Friday nights. I don't have uh, too much more to say about this other than... Does it surprise you that like going up against Ring of Honor, it still managed to grow? Um. Maybe a little bit. What was more notable is they went head to head with an immediate replay of SmackDown on FS1 and the SmackDown replay did the same demo number as Rampage did. So that to me would have been even more like direct impact on Rampage um, because I just find it to be a pretty small number that we're probably watching that ROH pay-per-view. But yeah, yeah, they did have to contend with SmackDown like a, a replay. Well, I, I mean, I, how do you read that number? Are you happy that it did well going up against ROH? Or should you be upset that more people that typically watch AEW aren't watching the ROH shows? I think that if you are TBS uh, or TNT, I should say, and you're looking at this and, you know, Royal Rampage, I was looking at the number that they did last July for, for the show. And it was not all that much bigger than this, but they did a point one six, And that was uh, the first week of July last year that this Royal Rampage aired. So if you're looking at, you know, why didn't we do a 0.16 like we did last year? My answer would be the SmackDown replay, but you could very well look like we're going against ourselves. And would that be the difference in a 0.04 in the demo uh, or 0.05? You, you could make that argument if you wanted to. And that's why they probably don't want to make a, a giant billboard for Wednesday nights for a pay-per-view that goes mm-hmm. up against one of our shows that we are still actively promoting. Well, I asked you this, this off air after we did our Death Before Dishonor pay-per-view uh, re- recap, but what, like, is there a reason why they aren't going on su- Sundays with these ROH events? I guess they must feel that Fridays are a superior night for them. Um, I don't know why they wouldn't run Sundays. I think that that would be if, – if, in fact, running these Friday nights at all um, affects their ability to promote on – on TBS or T and they might outright just not want a ton of ROH promotion. Like why are we allowing real estate on our shows for, I mean, the, the reason there is a tie in these, these pay-per-views do air on, on BR live in this, in the States. So there is a, a there is that tie in to ROH mm-hmm. uh, with WBD. Um, but yeah, you could certainly argue, like I would look at ROH pay-per-views if you are someone that is committing your $30, I don't think the night of the week is going to affect that. I think it's a pretty dialed in audience that would be um, open to moving to Sundays. The problem is you would run into, at least for final battle, would be you're, you're up against uh, 
the big Sunday night football game that you would avoid on a Friday. But maybe that's not as big a concern as running against your like SmackDown and your own programming that might take more of a dent out of your number for a, a real diehard product like Ring of Honor is. And the next two nights, we've got NXT. So Rhea Ripley and Dominic are going to start the show. So they are back on. We will see if we get a big draw Dominic again, uh, if he can propel NXT to another big number. Gable Steveson decides his future. Right. And so can this be anything but he's going to stick around in NXT? Maybe he's going to come out and say, I'm going to AEW. I've gotten a better offer. I'm out of here. Um, it would be very odd for him to announce that he is not choosing pro wrestling uh, to do this in NXT. I guess in a way, like if he said, I'm going to win the Olympics. I mean, th- the thing is, this crowd in the Performance Center, he could announce that um, I'm still thinking about it. And they'd probably still go nuts for him. Like this audience yeah. is they're just they're a happy bunch in this mm-hmm. Performance Center. Um, but it it would seem logical that he's there for a big pop or and probably to shoot an angle too to you know could could you see him like just announced as soon as like he's wrestling this sunday at great american bash or i mean if he if he did would that not um maybe surprise a lot of people about um how much training he's active actively been doing because i haven't really heard that much buzz about him being sort of like i mean you could be ready you can craft a, a match around anybody honestly and he, he can, can do a spot get by doing an eight minute match right and you put him in there with somebody like a drew gulak that would be you know but to what aim if he's going to be gone training for the olympics shortly after you know what's the benefit i guess if he was disappearing for yeah. um I don't know. Like, I'll, I'll see you all later. Uh, like I, I would say, honestly, like if he was off to go, go for another gold medal, I would, I would certainly question if he would ever be doing pro wrestling and he seems more involved now than, than he has been for the longest time. So it would seem that, you know, he would be sticking around doing this. And, and if he is committing to doing this, I think his days in NXT are going to be numbered. Like they're mm. going to want him uh, above and beyond on Raw SmackDown pretty soon. Carmelo Hayes, Trick Williams, and Ilya Dragunov against The Schism, and Dana Brooke against Cora Jade. Dynamite on Wednesdays in Albany, New York. They have announced Moxley and Claudio Castagnoli against the Lucha Brothers and Best Friends. Britt Baker against Taya Valkyrie. Swerve Strickland versus Darby Allen. Orange Cassidy against A.R. Fox for the international title. MJF and Adam Cole will speak. And Pac versus Gravity. Which feels like it's the most buzzed about match. I mean, this should probably just go on last, shouldn't it? Oh, of course, yeah. That is the lineup for Albany. Do you do you sense? Um, is this a big dynamite? Um, doesn't feel that big. Certainly, uh, coming off of blood and guts, I don't necessarily see interest increasing. Um, but I don't know. Like ratings surprise me every single week. So, who knows? You're not going to give us a bold prediction right now. Exactly. Uh, Down to the tenth I, of a ratings point. What they got? I, I leave that to you and Brandon. This post-wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible, conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister. 
and putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Let's go on to Raw from Monday at the Amelie Arena. Huge, uh, I I think, you know, they were like right at 11,000 tickets out, so this... I believe did they announce this was sold out on the on the broadcast? I wasn't paying close enough attention because it may have been. Um, this was a giant crowd for them in Tampa, and the Judgment Day start this off, and it's Balor Priest and Rhea in the ring, and they give a big introduction to Dominic for his big conquering of the North American Championship. So he comes out and he is booed loudly and throws to his own video highlight when Owens and Zayn interrupt. And Owen says that they did the same thing last week and screams at Dom for not learning his lesson and wants him to just shut up. That would be what he can do for this business. Zane says how no one respects him, but Dominic can earn that respect by facing him tonight. And just like they put the titles on the line last week, tonight Dominic can put his title on the line and Rhea Ripley accepts. Mm-hmm. Pretty hot segment. Anytime you, you know, center it around Dominic Mysterio and this incredible reaction that he typically gets in almost every town. But um, Tampa tonight was, I felt, a really, really great crowd. So um, it's a little bit maybe um, surprising that they're choosing to focus so much on something that is really an NXT like event. But this is really more about Dominic having a belt on his shoulder than anything. And um, I think they're doing a really great job of milking the value out of this North American title win. And I think they want to get that that rub on NXT uh, uh, as well, on top of it. I think they want to recreate what they were able to do last week. Becky Lynch against Zoe Stark with Trish Stratus in the corner. So if Becky wins, she gets a rematch. If she loses, she has to thank Trish and get tattooed. Mm-hmm. The tattoo stipulation was really not on any of the marketing material. Now, no. it, 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 I believe Becky was on, what is it, uh, one of their talk shows and, and was probably talking about it there. You had Becky, uh, what is it, um, one of the commentators mentioned it here. But beyond that, like it didn't atta- appear on any of the graphics. And I guess I could forgive them for not being able to include all of that on, onto a graphic. But it also felt like a pretty understated part of this entire storyline. Yeah, it was as much of a... Wink and a nod to this is the final hurdle before we can announce this match that everyone knows they're getting at SummerSlam. Yeah. So um, that said, I thought that these two had had a really good match together. And I thought Zoe Stark, um, this was like one of her more um, mm-hmm. involved matches that she was able to have, like a real match here with with Becky that went 10 minutes. And they gave Zoe a lot here before losing. Some of the key spots, Trish headbutted Becky with her face mask on. That leads to a near fall. And man, this crowd was biting on a lot of these near falls. Uh, the disarmer is applied and starts lifts and slams Becky. Then Stark misses with a Phoenix splash. And then there's a roll through ending in the disarmer. But Trish throws her face mask into the ring. And while this person is in a submission, this referee turns his back to the submission to remove the face mask and warn Trish. 
Well, could the sky you, look like more of like a goof? It's a safety of the performers. You know, you can't you can't have a random face. What mask if she in snapped there? her arm in the submission and your ref is busy chatting with Trish and removing a face mask from two referees, two refs? Yeah. Well, Stark escapes and then Trish is knocked off the apron by Becky. Stark then springboards into the manhandle slam and Becky wins in 950 to get her rematch with Trish Stratus. A good match from these two. I'm in agreement with you. I mean, for me, actually, as silly as that tattoo stipulation was, it actually did help me get into these near falls a bit more, knowing that at least in story, Becky Lynch is trying not to get a tattoo on her chest. So it made these kickouts maybe a little bit more exciting, even though I knew the conclusion. But this felt very much, and this is the only time I'll ever compare it, it felt like an Undertaker streak match. Where you know the you know the outcome, but I mean every kickout you just get into because there's that one percent chance she could actually get a tattoo on her chest. Um, built to some nice uh, nice near falls here and good use of Trish ringside as well. So um, quick pace in this one, yeah, it was a good match and Zoe looked great too. Cody Rhodes came out, so this was interesting. Last Monday they did the spot with Brock where he put Cody in the Kimura and. They didn't make like the same big deal out of it as they had prior when he broke the arm. But if you look closely, the next day, he's doing the screening of his documentary and he's wearing a brace. Mm -hmm. And tonight he came out, no brace. And thus, we're not doing the arm injury again. But I guess Tuesday, there's the chance of it because he was selling this at the premiere. Um, Well, you know, it's one of those injuries where... um... Uh, you heal faster the more your arm breaks. <laughs> I don't know, dude. Yes. Remarkable recovery in seven days. I guess it's the type of injury that only lasts like four days. So four or five days. Well, he goes over the attack last week that happened in front of his mother and calls Brock Mr. SummerSlam. Someone will have to document the history of Brock Lesnar at, at SummerSlam. I guess, hmm. I guess he's had some big matches at SummerSlam. And said his mom wasn't impressed last week. She's a woman that saw Terry Funk throw fireballs at his father. And this made me think, oh boy, this is the next step. Fireballs? Um, They're in Detroit, the home of the Sheik. If ever there's going to be a fireball spot, it's going to be in Detroit. Fireball match. Okay. Um, Brock Lesnar with fireballs. That's a scary What could go wrong? Hmm. Yeah. It's going to be the return of great balls of fire. Oh, Another uh, Brock pay-per-view. So Lesnar made a mistake by leaving him breathing. He's going to embarrass Lesnar and said, I'm not poking the bear. I'm slapping it. And this ends at SummerSlam. Mm -hmm. Really good, passionate promo from Cody. Honestly, he didn't really say a whole lot here that um, advanced the story in in any significant way. Um, But I thought... We've got a match. And we still have a match. And I'm going to win the match. (laughs) Pretty much. My mom. (laughs) Direct translation of what Cody said here. But and next week, Brock is going to respond to this. That's what I wonder what Brock is going to say. What what in-depth storytelling is Brock going to add to this? I wonder. Um, but I, I, I think a Cody promo is always worthwhile because you get to see with what little content he really has to actually like give out there how much he could do with it. Because in Cody's hands, this felt like just incredibly charismatic and really strong. And you just, it's a great chance to see the guys command of the crowd with his great fluid delivery. So it's a great performance without giving a, without a whole lot of material that he had to work with. Maybe Brock is going to give us a really eloquent interview next week. He's going to come in and he's going to say, Cody, I've been wanting to wrestle you 
since you left this company the first time. And I've been waiting for seven years like an itch. God. Oh, man. And you're going to be my seven-year bitch. <laughs> One of the all-time corniest lines I feel like I've heard on on this pro wrestling po- uh, product. And we will get to that. That's our main event tonight, everybody. Yes. Finn, Finn's freestyle is coming your way. Jackie Redman catches up with Ricochet, who makes fun of Logan for being popular from YouTube. And he's going to save what he has to say to Logan to his face later on. Dominic Mysterio, Sami Zayn for the North American Championship. Um, this is a nice match for the, the time that they had here. Rhea and Priest were distracting. And then Owens gets involved and complains to the ref. So Kevin Owens is ejected. And then Rhea and, Dom, or Rhea and Priest get ejected. So Dom is concerned. He's left all by himself. Graves mentions uh, X and how Elon Musk is a dirty Dom guy. And Kevin Patrick says, I'm not surprised. Dom then counters a blue thunderbomb with a head scissors, or at least tried to. And then Zane ducks a 619, hits the blue thunderbomb, and Dom eventually lands a 619, crowds into the near falls. Frog Splash lands on Zane's knees, and as he's setting up for the Huluva kick, he stops because Zane sees Priest and Rhea attacking Kevin Owens at the entrance, and he is just frozen. He cannot take his eyes off of Kevin Owens and gets rolled up by Dominic in 12 minutes. And once again, um, Everyone is is like so concerned about LA Knight. It's like, dude, they beat Sami Zayn like a drum in these matches, like week after week after week. And I see much more of a, a higher ceiling for a Sami Zayn than I do an LA Knight, um, with all due respect. I think LA Knight is doing just fine. I would say he's in better standing than Sami Zayn at the moment. Yeah. Uh, and maybe to that, I would say it really does feel like Sammy's time to kind of break through to that next level has kind of passed at this point. I mean, they can always ramp him back up, but right now I don't really see that much clamoring for people wanting to see Sammy Zayn become a world champion, for instance, or even beat, you know, Seth Rollins for his world championship. Like he seems very firmly established at his level. And I think we've all kind of accepted that. Whereas LA Knight, we all see the next level right in front of him that I think we all want him to reach. So maybe you'll get a lot more, you know, complaints for that reason. This was a good match. Very invested crowd, as always, with the Dominic Mysterio match and um, predictable finish here with the with the um, distraction. Um, I wasn't so mad at it this time, um, but, you know, giving it to us back to back would maybe change my mind in the next match. Ricochet is looking for Logan Paul. Nakamura has not seen him. And then Nakamura turns into Ciampa who is willing to let things go from last week. He acknowledges, I got involved in your match, and I deserve that that shot that you gave me. You got a free one in, but I better not see you get involved tonight, or else we're going to have a problem. And Nakamura was looking for a problem. Judgment Day walk up. They start bullying Akira Tozawa and Apollo Crews, and Dominic demands respect. Tozawa just takes off, but Cruz stands up to him and stand, uh, sets up a match with Damian Priest later in the evening. Bronson Reed, Tommaso Ciampa. Okay, I, I thought these two had a phenomenal match. But man, this crowd was for 80% of this. They were so dead. Yeah. I thought like these guys were out there trying to have like their own G1 match. And it was like, I'm watching this. I was like, this is a very good match. And this crowd could not care at all. And I think that just, it's more a testament. And you see this more when you're when you're attracting like these larger crowds that Raw's are like who they see as stars and who they see as just filler. And unfortunately, these two, I think, are more the latter, at least perception wise. Oh, they're very much in the mid card. If that, you know, I, I think Reed, 
they've done a good job of building up the tsunami, but that's one move that everybody might be looking forward to. And you, you gave them what? What was this? Like a 10 plus, you know, 15? Almost 13. Yeah. Like I thought even for me, John, this was a little bit too long, just given how little I kind of cared about the characters at the time. At this, Well, time. it dragged because of the crowd, but they did get them towards the end. It's a testament to them. But uh, some of the highlights here, like Reed was just running over him here uh, after an avalanche. There was a ripcord power slam by Bronson. And then Ciampa finally gets a reprieve when he hits an inverted DDT, hits a rolling elbow and a Kataro crusher. And Reed then it stops a sunset flip by just sitting down on this guy's chest. And Ciampa pops up. They trade strikes. And Ciampa... Needs two attempts, but he finally lifts and drops Reed. And when he does so, the crowd was like, wow, he did it. And they started to awaken. And just like that, as I'm like, they finally got this crowd. Out walks Nakamura. I'm like, of course. And Ciampa leaves the ring to warn Nakamura. Don't take one more step. And with that, he turns around. He's hit with a shoulder block and the tsunami and loses in 1247. And uh, looked brilliant in doing so. Yeah. Yeah. A good action, but again, like I think pro wrestling is a lot more than just good action. You know, you need compelling characters and compelling storylines. And unfortunately, I don't think Ciampa nor really Reed have had it. Like, what has Reed's like stories been? Getting involved in like people's matches, right? Like he's, that's, he's big Bronson Reed now. Yeah, he's Mr. Nice Guy. He's big Bronson Reed. Um, there's just really not that much to kind of like sink your teeth into with him. And it it's clear that they've completely dropped the, the whole Miz thing, right? attached to either of them yeah there was no miz on this particular program byron saxton meets up with Liv morgan and she confirms raquel has a knee injury and she is not here tonight but Liv says she'll be back soon tonight Rhea is all hers and blames her for the reason they lost the tag titles last week and she is the last person to beat Rhea ripley so she's yeah. the baron corbin to uh, Roman she is Reigns. in the baron corbin spot right Green and DeVille enter, and they start to complain about everything around here revolving around Rhea. So Rhea shows up, and they get scared and run off. And this was our whole involvement of our tag champions on this show. This was about 20 seconds worth. Tells you how, like, maybe how much of a joke, unfortunately, these tag titles are when they're on comedy characters. That's what they're going to be. Lib Morgan comes out, and somehow Rhea Ripley is ringside here and just jumps her. I guess she came from the crowd and destroys Liv and Corey Graves goes, this is what would happen if Oppenheimer happened in Barbie land and Rhea (laughs) destroys Liv, wraps a chair around her arm and stomps the chair and Liv is screaming. The trainers come out. Rhea's yelling, get out of my business. Have fun in rehab. And then she stomps the chair a second time, which was a little overkill. This was effective with the one, but. They've got to really hammer it home. I thought this was a very strong angle. I thought both were very effective in their roles. I thought Rio was great and live selling was very strong. This is everything this needed to be. And next week you can set up Rhea and Raquel. Agreed. Totally agreed. I, I thought it was great use of, you know, basically Raquel's best friend here. Yeah, uh, not even giving a match. I think this is a far more effective than, you know, just even having a match, having Rhea be completely dominant and be com- completely vicious. I thought her intensity was great. And I thought live selling was really good too. I think the only thing that would have made this even more perfect would have been a cutaway to a little kid in the crowd crying for live. I, I so wish there was some, something like that. You're uh, just a masochist. <laughs> Who doesn't love crying children? Find tears. Find some tears. 
Last week, uh, they go over the Viking rules match and the Elf Academy react. And Gable suggests a Academy rules match, which to me tells me last week's match went over so well. How can we redo it? And that's we'll have another weapons match. But before that, Maxine says she has embarrassed Valhalla week after week uh, or has been embarrassed. No one puts the Alpha Queen through a table and is challenging Valhalla to her first ever singles match next week. And this would be accepted. So that is happening next week in Houston. So so was this two sets of challenges? They it was two sets of challenges, but they only announced that Maxine and Valhalla was going to be next week. And this Academy yeah. Rules match, I would think it would happen next week. There's no reason to hold off on that. So the Academy Rules match is only between the men and then the, the women are having their own match. Yes, right. that's what I took okay. from that. Right. So what are Academy Rules? Chalkboards, they said? Yeah, he went over uh, the different. Uh, it's just going to be right. um, scholastic weapons. Yeah. Okay. Maybe a diploma. I'm sure it'll be great. The last one was really good. They they did a great job last week. And if you're going to recreate it, why not? Ricochet is out and he tells Logan to come show his stupid face and says that the locker room knows he doesn't belong here. But it's not because you're not good or that you haven't done the work. It's because you're an arrogant prick and they don't respect what you do. And you, you don't respect what we do and how much time we miss with our families. You will never understand that, Logan. So I'm here to challenge you to a match at SummerSlam. And with that, Logan jumps him from behind because Ricochet was too transfixed on this hard camera that if he had just turned around, like the, how many attacks tonight were because someone was not looking uh, against the hard camera, like Liv, you got Ricochet here. That's why Cody is now turning his back to the hard camera. He's smart. These yeah. baby faces with their blind spots. So he uh, attacks Ricochet and accepts the challenge, takes a selfie as we're just like stripping Austin Theory away more and more. And this looked like it was a, a video, actually, like 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 an attempt at what he did for um, Crown Jewel, where like he's oh. filming himself and then he's filming himself getting kicked. So I tried to look for the video. It doesn't seem to be up at the time of this recording. Man, we need like wrestling reels where we can go from this challenge being accepted to Willow Nightingale's father streaming the match on Friday. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Just all the videos that are taken at wrestling shows. And Ricochet then pops up and super kicks Logan Paul, who, dude, he went down. He just sold this great and takes a standing shooting star. Listen, for years, I have I have noted uh, Ricochet's lack of verbal ability. He has really made strides. I think this might have been the best promo I've ever heard from Ricochet. I'm not stating this guy's ever going to be Ric Flair, but he has definitely made improvements. And this, like, think of this idea of we're sending Ricochet out there for like a three, four minute promo alone in the ring. There is no way that would have happened uh, at, at another time. And they not only had the confidence, I thought he did uh, more than an adequate job. I kind of feel like he's already been at this sort of level, you know, for some time, but I I don't, for whatever reason, I think he's just been so low on the card. He's never really had this opportunity. Clearly, like they see that improvement within him to be able to give him a pretty big match on this SummerSlam card, you know, and, and not just the match, but they're they're building him up as a major player like he's coming out of all of these segments looking like a big deal he's coming up looking like the superior dominant baby face over top of logan paul so i think this build so far has been really good for ricochet and hopefully the match turns out as great as i think we can all picture it to be do you notice that one of the sponsors for SummerSlam is this c4 
energy mm-hmm. drink. So do you think that that prime is, uh, is going to get any uh, focus in the, in this match? Oh, good question. Um, like if I was C4 and I'm sponsoring this show. I don't want prime. I don't want a billboard for prime all over this match. I mean, I think that's a really good question. Um, maybe, uh, but you know, does that, does Logan is it, Paul is have... it banned in Detroit? Uh, Windsor, yeah, I would say yes, but probably not Detroit. So mm-hmm. they got four loco I, there, man. Anything goes in Detroit. I was at the grocery store over the weekend, and I looked at the Prime, and it was like the Prime hydration. So yeah, I don't know if like, do the we... hydration is not banned. It's yeah, the, the hydration is not the issue. It's the regular one. But do, do you see the regular one in in stores? Because I, I think all this time I've been seeing the hydration. Same. Yeah, the one in the bottle is the hydration. The one in the can is the energy drink. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Now I understand. Jackie Redman is get, get with it, John. Get with the I'm trying. The, I'm trying my drink. best. I I do not want to try this stuff, especially when I heard how much like it's like they said like the equivalent of like six cans of Coke in it. That sounds disgusting. Yeah, it's it, I, I mean, I, I don't drink those things anyways. But I don't think I, I've had a can of Coke in a decade. Well, I mean, at the same time, I I feel like you and I both drink a lot of coffee and I'm I'm sure it's not at a healthy level either. Let's see who lives longer. Okay. Okay. Sure. Baszler is going to speak in the language that Rhonda knows. I thought she was just going to like go off and cram <laughs> a thousand words into the next 30 seconds. She is going to settle it at SummerSlam with a fight against Rhonda. Then this, it, this was just amazing. One of the themes for SummerSlam is Steppenwolf mm-hmm. born to be wild. Yeah. Well, what's so amazing? I mean, they, they've done this in the past, like just pull out a classic, you know, this is like we're just pulling a song out of like the 60s. So, I mean, ACDC was the was the, the, the theme song for Smackdown for years. I mean, it was just it was just very random song to pick. I mean, I, mean I, I feel like they've they've kind of done this type of thing in the past. And, and we know, like, you know, I'm sure Triple H is really into classic rock and all this stuff. I think Hunter was like born around the time he was born to be wild. He was born right around when the song came out. Saxton is with Logan Paul who calls it unprofessional what Ricochet did. And I feel victimized. And next Monday he's coming. He's coming for Ricochet in Houston to pop his stupid bald head. That's Mm -hmm. a lot of traveling for such a specific objective. When you do have a match with him, if you could just wait another week, but I guess can't, can't wait. And he's going to lose his SummerSlam match. He pops his head. That's oh, wow. that's not a Cody Rhodes recovery in seven days. Uh, I, I'm I'm sure he he won't. <laughs> Did you hear what Logan Paul is trying to do? He wants to go on first at SummerSlam so he can fly to Dallas for his brother's fight that night with Nate Diaz from Detroit to Dallas. Wow, really? Which sounds ultra ambitious. Yeah. Well, what time would he possibly be able to go on to be able to make the 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 match? Like, how's that timing going to work? Okay, at the earliest, they would get into the ring at like 10 after 8, you would think. So, so SummerSlam starts at 8 and not 7. Correct. Okay. It's an 8 Eastern start. Let's say they're on first. I don't think there's any way that match is over before 8.20. Well, he's not out of there till 9. And he's got to go on a flight. Uh, I mean, you can do the math of like Detroit to Dallas is not just like a hop on. And like that's a significant... I don't know. He he he's obviously done the uh the the Google Maps on it, but that seems 
like a real tight squeeze. Like that fight, I'm thinking, is probably going to get into the ring around midnight Eastern. So we're looking at he's probably got about three hours to get there. Uh, To the arena, in traffic, and be ready, and be of some value to his brother in his corner. A nonstop flight is like three hours. It's from Detroit to Dallas. So I I think he's watching this on pay-per-view. Well, I think he's getting like his own, like, he's like chartering a flight. Uh, so that might. I mean, some... st- okay, fine, but like, how much faster is that? Is that chartered flight going to be than you know one of these? And maybe they'll hold off on the fight till he gets there. It, can they? Park? I mean, his brother's co-promoting it. He has the. He can pull the. Can they park the, the jet on top of the uh, building or something? Well, that, I've no? I've been to Dallas. It's not as though you just like just get dropped onto the American Airlines Center. I mean, it's yeah, it's a tough travel to that that's a long travel day for logan mm-hmm. paul but hey he's gonna try and make it damian priest against apollo cruz this went three minutes and 13 seconds broken arrow two count and then he fell to the south of heaven so the point Boy, here the man. bullies win like if you're apollo cruz are you wishing you're still back in smackdown having visions right now well i wish he did have visions because he probably wouldn't have picked this fight if he knew what was in store for him he so the worst an hour into the future the worst thing about this, like Apollo Crews character on Raw, is that his character right now is that he has clarity as a result of him being a parent. So his whole gimmick is that like he's doing this for his kids, and it's the probably about the worst gimmick you could have if you're a jobber and your role on the show your is gimmick? to lose. I'm a father. Yeah, and you lose every time, you know. So I mean, I don't know how he's going to play this. Like, I, I, I mean. He's showing, you know, his children what it means to to lose and to um, keep coming back, I guess. Remember, didn't he say in that first promo back that when he was doing the character on SmackDown, his kids stopped watching wrestling? They might not <laughs> yeah. even be back. They might be lapsed fans. <laughs> uh, the Viking Raiders and Valhalla, they accept the challenge. Imperium come out and are followed by Drew McIntyre. And he wants to face Gunther right now. But Gunther calls these fans degenerates. And he is not going to wrestle in front of these people. I mean, it is, uh, he, he's not, Gunther doesn't strike me as a, a fan of Florida. So Drew, he, he probably says, lives there, doesn't he? Like, uh, probably does, there? probably does. And that's probably what well, he knows firsthand what he's uh, getting into here. Drew doesn't get anything done in life. Just like these people. You failed at Clash at the Castle. I humiliated you at WrestleMania. So Drew, if you want to ride my coattails, I will accept the match for SummerSlam and humiliate you again. They're giving a lot more mic time to Gunther. And mm-hmm. I think that this guy, I think he is like one of the more like solid performers they have at the moment. Yeah. That doesn't always sort of when you shortlist people that are really hitting it on all cylinders, his name doesn't always come up, but I think he's been tremendous. I think for the character that they're trying to port- portray Gunther as like the way he speaks is absolutely perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Drew says that he first met Seamus when he was 19 and Seamus was 42 and they had a dream of wrestling each other at WrestleMania and they got that dream this year, but it was a three-way match and they let their, they let their personal issues affect the outcome because Gunther just stood around and picked the bones. It was like, I don't think anyone was just like uh, taking the easy path during that match, which was probably the best WWE match this year. And he says he's going to beat Gunther's ass at SummerSlam. Ludwig Kaiser interrupts and Drew says, you know, Ludwig, I like you because unlike Gunther, you have charisma. You should be the leader of Imperium. And it sets up a match between them where Drew wants him to be the leader and Ludwig is fighting for his ability to be a strong number two, I guess. 
I think Lud- Ludwig Kaiser is fantastic. Um, well, he has now become a new sensation because of Corey Graves, who has obviously been working. He has been fine tuning this Ludwig Kaiser impression. And he went all out here because how many singles matches does Corey Graves get to call with Ludwig Kaiser? Probably not too many, but I don't think there will ever be a Ludwig Kaiser match again that he doesn't bring this out for. He did it three separate times and he was just loving it. Well, he, I mean, I, I would, yeah, say that maybe he pulled it out a, a little too much, but I mean, it's a really good, Ludwig it's a Kaiser. really good one, but you're right. Like keep them wanting more. Yeah. Well, as a man who, you know, knows a thing or two about impressions, I, 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 I trust your, there's a psychology to it. <laughs> they went through a commercial break. Uh, Drew hit a air raid crash off the turnbuckle and then Kaiser stops him with the claymore or as he's going for the claymore blocks it. And then moments later, Drew is able to hit the, does the countdown hits the claymore and wins in nine thirty three. Um, but a good win for Drew and, uh, I mean, the match was really overshadowed to me by Corey Graves. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, I think it's more of um, sort of like a anything for Kaiser to make him stand out, I think is really good. Because for a long time, long time, he's really just kind of like mouthpiece for Gunther. But I think this episode kind of really put into focus his manner of speaking, which is incredibly cartoonish, but incredibly like, um, I, I guess, like memorable and fun. And I'm sure fun to impersonate if you're Corey Graves, you know, it's just it's a very original and unique way of cutting a promo. The best part is that Corey was doing this impression as Imperium was standing right in front of the desk. So they can obviously hear this. It's so loud, but they had to no sell it Mm -hmm. anyway. Post-match, they attack Drew. Riddle runs down. He gets powerbombed, just a useless friend. And then Gunther goes to. He drops Drew on the floor, clears the desk, but Drew stops Gunther, and it's Drew that lifts up Gunther, powerbombing him through the desk, and then he lifts up the title, confirming he won't be winning it at SummerSlam. Hmm. A good segment that continued to make Drew like look like a really strong challenger, even though, yes, he probably isn't going to win. Um, but he does feel like Gunther's biggest challenge yet, and I'm sure the match itself alone, even without ch- the championship, is going to elicit enough interest. So I think they're doing a good job building this one. Jackie speaks to Rhonda and says that Shayna wants a fight. Rhonda says, I don't get in a fight. I get in the fight. And she accepts. And that was a whole long, multiple days of travel. <laughs> I appreciate, John, how you're all, you always seem so concerned about everybody's like travel schedule versus. I just, I just imagine. <laughs> I just imagine that, like, listen, this is your job, okay? And this is what what comes with the territory. But I'm just imagining, like, the odds of someone leaving their home on Sunday. (laughs) They probably have no idea what's scheduled for them. And they get there, and this is what you're here for. (laughs) So we should be scheduling everybody into either, like, 20-minute matches or, like, you know, 10-minute promo segments just to justify their travel? I'm just saying, like, listen, we have... There are things you don't see, you know, maybe they're doing uh, autograph signings in the back. I mean, some of these people are working the house show circuit anyway. Um, And, you know. Yeah, yeah. Rhonda's like just hitting that house show circuit nonstop. (laughs) Catering needs to be eaten, you know. Well, she got to she got to hang out for for the day and she is not in a fight. She's in the fight. So what does this mean? Fight pit? Like, what what are we talking about? What's, What's a fight versus a match? Well, I thought they were going to give some clarity to this. I mean, 
I hope it means that if one of them's in a submission, that the referee doesn't get distracted by a face mask being dropped in the ring and someone's arm gets snapped. Maybe they do. Um, what is it? Under uh, NXT Underground. Maybe they take out the ropes. That's SummerSlam Underground. Cool. SummerSlam Underground. Yeah. Okay. Detroit you- Underground. Maybe they're gonna go do this on uh, Eight Mile. Um, they they could. It's kind of far, I feel, but I don't know. I don't know Detroit that well. Yes or no to Edmund making an appearance. <laughs> if it's a fight, then I maybe think we'll he get has Edmund to be there. in one corner and Josh Barnett in the other. I think that that makes a whole lot of sense. And then Barnett yeah. cuts a promo on uh, Masakatsu Funaki for September 3rd. Ooh, okay. what? That's the match? Oh, yeah. They're doing that. Wow. that's That sounds crazy. Okay, the finals but, of the, uh, the N1. But but the fact that they're calling this a fight and not a wrestling match, I, I don't think it's it, it, it's a crazy suggestion to, to imply that it might be some sort of blood sport type of match, you know? As a showcase for what Rod and Shayna can do together, I, I'm very curious to see if that's what that means. Yeah, um, maybe maybe they'll fly Ronda to Houston and um, then Shayna will explain while Ronda just stands and listens to the description. Yes, yes. Next week, Brock Lesnar returns, Logan Paul returns, and Valhalla versus Maxine. So um, people that should be showing up at work are going to be at work and uh, Valhalla and Maxine. So um, we'll see what else is happening for Houston. They, they're very confident right now in their popularity. Yeah, like I feel like today, for instance, like on the preview for today, we had like three t- like ver- variations of a contract signing slash talking segment, like advertised. You know, you had a face to face, you had a contract signing, you had whatever Logan Paul, like Logan Paul calling out Ricochet. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we have a rules of engagement, which is another fancy way of of saying contract signing. So, how many ways can they say two people are going to be talking? <laughs> yeah. Finn Balor comes out for the uh, the rules of engagement for uh, Finn and Seth and says that Adam Pierce was supposed to be here, but his hands are full due to the chaos of Judgment Day tonight. So we're professionals. We can handle this ourselves, which might put uh, Adam Pierce out of a job. Yeah. Why was uh, Pierce not, not here? Like, was he actually busy? No, with- he, was in the, he was in the back when Liv Morgan was selling the, the arm injury. So he was there. Yeah. So, like, he, he I don't did, know why he, he wasn't tends- out here. It was very bizarre. Like Adam Pierce was not here for this. And then for the, um, where was it? It was the uh, later in this segment, Zane comes out, but no Kevin Owens who didn't get attacked by priest and Rhea, but it's not, it was like some debilitating taking a guy out kind of injury. Sean Ross, uh, at least through some of his tweets seem to indicate that it's a legit injury, but we don't know. They don't know the extent of the injury to Owens. So. Well, I assumed with Owens there was something going on because, I mean, he was present for the show, but they did not allow him to get physically involved in anything. Like, he was thrown out of the match and then didn't do a run-in here. So that would all add up. Hmm. Rollins is out in a white suit. The crowd's singing and says that Finn Balor has no chance of winning at SummerSlam. And even if you did win, your reign would be shorter than your universal one because Damian Priest would cash in immediately. And you know that's true because you would do the same thing to Damian Priest. SummerSlam is not going to be the coronation of the Judgment Day. It will be the end of the Judgment Day. Balor signs. He's smiling at Seth. And Balor says, we run this place, not you. And Judgment Day surrounds the ring. And he says that Finn says he has been losing for seven years and it's been slowly driving him insane and it's all because of seth it's like a seven-year itch that you just can't scratch 
but at SummerSlam, I'm going to make you my seven-year bitch. <laughs> I couldn't believe. I thought yeah. I was, like, hallucinating. I'm like, there's no way he said that on national television. But, man. No, not since suffering succotash have I seen so much guts within a man to deliver this with a straight face on national television. This was, like so cheesy it could have like been lifted straight out of like a you know fast and furious movie like i can't believe this was said <laughs> make you my seven-year bitch because you get it seth it rhymes with itch <laughs> so they fight and held in their laughter and seth gets hit with the briefcase and suddenly damien sees that seth is out and he's looking at the briefcase, and so and Finn is staring at Priest. But before they can act upon it, Zane runs down with a chair. He gets attacked and hit with the South of Heaven, and they bury him for the second time on the show. Uh, underneath a desk and chairs, Judgment Day then surround Rollins and hit him with the razor's edge. Dominic hits the frog splash, and Balor hits the coup de gras, and the Judgment Day all hold up their prizes, except for Balor, who's has nothing. So he just well, he's got his fists here. So he held up his fists. Yeah, that uh, can take care of his itch. That's right. Yeah, I mean, uh, some continued teasing of, you know, uh, Balor and and Priest and and the cash-in. So kind of painting a picture of, like, you know, win or lose for Balor, he's going to be losing something, whether it be Judgment Day or his championship. So, um, yeah, interesting, decent segment here. I would say overall, like, I came out of the show maybe most excited um, for – gunther and drew i feel like that that's the program that feels maybe at this point the most serious the rest i think are in all like pretty good shape but i nothing about this particular episode for me really advanced my interest in much of the programs yeah i mean the thing is it's interesting when we compare SummerSlam with all in where SummerSlam, it's not as though they've announced everything and have only gotten around to announcing most stuff like the last week or so but it feels like for weeks we've known what all the key matches are so it's sort of just finalizing those getting the angles ready and i think it feels like a pretty a pretty big summer slam this year they're going to have a big attendance and i look at all in and we've still got a month like there there is time but it's not so much that they haven't announced the matches but like if you were I'm not watching the TV and thinking, okay, these are guaranteed our seven matches, for instance, out of 10 that we're going to get. Like you might have some hints here and there, but it's, I think it's harder to look at AEW's programming at the moment and seeing where, where this lineup ends, ends up for all in. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just more maybe Tony Khan's type of, you know, storytelling, isn't it? Like we see certain building blocks for certain matches, but hard to know, especially like what's going to be on all in versus what's going to be on at all out. Um, And they also have a lot of TV they have to push like in their next seven days that they're probably more consumed by rather than pushing something, you know, a whole month away. So I imagine we'll get that like maybe four weeks out. You know, from all in, I would think now that blood and guts is in the rear view. I think like you would think like this week, we're going to start to get at least the movement towards. Well, I mean, for MJF and Cole, there's this Hartford match that you have to kind of get through. And that's probably, you know, probably by next Wednesday, you're starting to look at like, what is this championship picture looking like for all in and, and where you're going? And if if they feel like this thing is just taking on a life of its own and do do you pivot? Like, I'm sure when this mm-hmm. started, 
you might have had the idea that okay they'll team for a month or so and then we we do the angle but could you have predicted that it would have been this popular and and is now the time to shoot that angle uh it might be it might not though Let's do a couple of pieces of feedback before we say goodbye. Muggin. Uh, let's go to some super chats first, if that's all right, John. And all right. thank you, Muggin, everybody. You got to wait. Yeah. Uh, if you send a super chat, you do get to jump the line. So we thank everybody who is watching us live and especially those of you who are sending super chats, including Matthew Yanes, who sends five dollars. Thank you for the support, Matthew. Shout out to John Pollock for his guest appearance on the Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast with Jesse Collings. And shout out to Way for being you. Well, thank you, Matthew. And uh, yeah, everybody, check out the Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast. John Pollock guested. This it was a week. great chat. It was uh, fun to do with Jesse. So if you want to uh, check that out, you can go uh, download the Gentleman's Wrestling uh, Podcast. Just go what did you guys for. talk about? A, a lot of just sort of the just the current state of wrestling media. We're seeing you know a lot more on the record comments from WWE officials, from AEW officials through these pre- press conferences what have been the positive that have come out from these, the negative and sort of where, where things are going on, on top of that, where, you know, the, the value of getting some of these like on the record statements in an industry that is still very much like shrouded in secrecy. And you have, you know, outlets that all have sort of different objectives of what kind of coverage they are going for. So we went in a lot of different directions, but it's always uh, enjoyable to, uh, hear jesse's thoughts as well so if you want to check that out i really enjoyed this uh, interview quite a bit and that's the gentleman's wrestling podcast available on all your podcast platforms and also on youtube too i believe yes. all right let's go to jake from the windy city who sends a super chat just to say x any thoughts john no uh, like everyone's like freaking out like i i don't have any emotional care at all to a name change None. I, I mean, I think it's just like a pretty clear troll job, isn't it? You know, like like a lot of his stunts have been. And um, it's just like see, he seems to feed off of just people talking about no, no matter what. Yeah, so that's that's fine. If that's uh, it seems like a lot of work to um, generate chat. But I think everyone was just like it's going to be everyone will be over it in 48 hours. What's the update on threads? I'm not feeling threads. It's um, I've kind of dropped it for now. Why? It like, feels like a it it feels like work to go up there. It's it certainly doesn't have the um I don't know, maybe it's it's just like my my not enough people, not not enough. It's drama. not even that. It's just like why? Why do I have to like feed <laughs> all of these social media platforms? Like they just want and they want, they don't give you anything back. It's like this stuff's all a hassle for me. I hate tweeting out all this stuff. I hate why do I have to do more of it? Why do I have to tell people right. what I'm th- why do I have to come up with like something witty? I don't want to be witty. I don't well, want to talk. You don't have to. You can just like tweet your thoughts out. Like you, you know, you you don't have to make people laugh with every single comment. I have no purpose for it. That's the main thing. At the gotcha. Moment, so. Okay. Well, follow him anyway. I'm John Pollock. In case he feels inspired at some point, I'm sure he I'm sure you would. Yeah, like, did, did, are you posting on Threads? No, I'm not. Like, what would you post there? Would you would you just I'm, copy and paste your? No, your I think feed? I think you should. What do would be different? different? What would you? What what's Threads material that isn't Twitter material? I think on Threads, I'm going to be very antagonistic. I'm just gonna you know chime in on every single person's opinion and talk about why they're wrong and why they're idiots. Um, you should that, for one night just do a test and like do it on Wednesday night from eight till ten, and yeah. every thread has to start with if this were in WWE. Dot, dot, dot. Yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. And then do the opposite on, on Raw next yeah. Monday. Yeah. Is Cody Rhodes better off in WWE? That's all you have to say. And just watch my engagement rise up. I'm sure. That's all right. Uh, lastly, super chat here from Kingpin, who sends, I believe this is 100 rupees. So thank you very much, Kingpin. That's a lot of rupees. So thank you very much. Thoughts on reports of Wyatt returning to SummerSlam to cost Cody? Does the promise to embarrass Lesnar mean Lesnar has to win? Cody can't afford to lose, in my opinion. Anyone could lose. It's uh, it's it's not life or death for him to to lose. You're keeping him busy till Mania season. So any any uh, distractions, I, I I don't worry too much about it. If he if he loses again, that's fine. He's got he's got an opponent down the road. I would say they seem relatively protective of Cody, like you know WrestleMania side. But even that could turn out to be just setting him up for next year's WrestleMania. That I'm, I feel pretty confident in saying that he's going to win this one. Um, I think he can beat Brock Lesnar and still be able to springboard to a potential feud with anybody else, you know, coming off of it. So mm, I don't think the promise means anything. But you know what? You never know with this company and the way they book. So thank you very much for that super chat. All right, what does Mungin have to say? What does Mungin have to say? Judgment Day was everywhere the whole night. Dom beat Sammy. Rhea put Liv on the shelf. Priest won his match. <laughs> Muggin also specifies that Rhea attacking Liv was an angle. And then going to business for herself. Um, Shattered yeah. her arm. Yeah, it was an angle. Right. There you go. Um, okay, a lot of stuff for SummerSlam got cemented, including Becky Lynch getting a rematch against Trish and Gunther McIntyre as a match of the year candidate. Uh, Ronda and Shannon needs to take place in the fight pit. As for who will fight Dom for the North American title, Dragon Lee, book it. Tampa was a little unruly. Dominic against Dragon Lee. Uh, that would be quite... That sounds deep. great, doesn't it? Could be. I mean, you've, you've sort of... Like, they did the whole start with this Mustafa Ali deal. So, I mean, Tuesday, though... I mean, tomorrow, they'll shore up this whole Great American Bash card, and you would think have Dominic involved in this. So, mm-hmm. that'll probably all get settled tomorrow. Okay, let's go finally to Brian from New Jersey who says, Muggin, I think we're due to get Dominic versus Wesley versus Mustafa Ali on Great American Bash on Sunday and have Dom's reign in there. So, some good build for various SummerSlam matches. A lot of good heat for the Judgment Day all night. Rhea is firing on all cylinders. I thought Ciampa and Reed had a nice little hoss battle. My own little Manny from Pacoima moment. I capped off a busy weekend of watching wrestling with the second half of pre- Prestige Wrestling Show on Sunday, streaming on IWTV from Asbury Park, New Jersey. They had advertised Malachi Black versus Kevin Blackwood, but it ended up being Black and Blackwood teaming up in a brief tag team match against Jake Crist and Alan Angels with some sort of feud going on between Prestige and Wrestling Revolver. All right. Well, thank you for your uh, Manny from Pacoima moment. And speaking of Asbury Park, New Jersey... Tuesday night, it is Dark Side of the Ring covering Bam Bam Bigelow, the beast from the east. So we're going to be chatting about that on Wednesday night, the, uh, the life of Bam Bam Bigelow. So yeah, only a few more episodes of Dark Side of the Ring remaining. Three more episodes this season, and we go live Wednesday nights, 10 Eastern for Rewind to Dynamite. That's for everyone. And then for the, the late night crowd, as soon as we're done Dynamite, we flip over to the cafe for the double shot and go about a half hour sharing our thoughts on this week's edition of dark side of the ring and only one episode left of secret invasion it's the finale this thursday so wh park and rich will i'm sure have uh either one or maybe even more guests joining them to talk about this one so uh can't wait to look uh can't wait to hear their thoughts on and and maybe all of yours as well so you know do tune into that all right have you started the bear 
I finished the bear season two. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, I watched it before it came out on, um, in, in Canada here on Disney plus. So how we live in Canada, uh, you know, uh, I have, I just got it last week. Wonderful. A very handy tool. Um, that, that sponsored this show so nordvpn all right to the <laughs> rescue okay that's going to wrap things up uh, lots of great shows up on the site again you can catch the the nwa podcast from sunday night we've got collision course a review of the roh pay-per-view uh, tons of great stuff and the g1 shows continue tuesday wednesday thursday and sunday this coming week all for the Wonderful price of $6 for the whole month. It'll take you through the entire G1 through the finals uh, coming up in mid-August. Postwrestlingcafe.com is where you can go or video.postwrestling.com. So you can always see waiting in a, in a perfect uh, four by three ratio. Well, it's not always perfect. Let's you know be honest. I, I have been having some video issues lately but not flawless today not right? today yeah i even got the graphics up and everything so perfect stream so let's not jinx things and just say good night